get older, you can't go that fast anymore, but you can enjoy it. And I think that that's now, for me, very important to uh, enjoy skiing and, and training. As I say, what, what, if I stop training, what's going to happen? Then I say I will just be sitting there getting fat and weak and won't be able to move myself. And I don't want to do that. I want to live and have a good life. And then you have to keep on. We're going to go out on the field. We're going to score as many goals as we can. We're going to have fun. Oh, Becky, you're well placed. Jersey on one more play. I give it my all. It has been my pleasure and my honor to represent you all. I'm in my home, and that is in a small town called Brumendal. Ragnold Nikolbus lives in Brumendal, Norway. It's between Harmar and Lillehammer. You know, from Olympic 94. That makes her just about a 45-minute drive from Lillehammer, a place that will always be sacred to the Norwegian skier. That's because Lillehammer is where she won nine medals, five of them gold, in the 1994 Paralympic Games. Following that logic, Mikkelboost also probably has a special place in her heart for Innsbruck, Austria, five gold, one silver there in the 1988 Games, Albertville, France, two gold in 1992, Nagano, Japan, five gold in 1998, and Salt Lake City, Utah, five gold in 2002. In her storied career, Ragnold Mikkelbus participated in short, middle, and long-distance cross-country races, relays, the biathlon, and ice sledge racing. She entered into 27 events. She won 27 medals. She is the most decorated Winter Paralympian, man or woman, of all time. Today, she shares her story of skiing and post-skiing life. Um, I, I, I have to start with the beginning. The beginning. Born and raised in Norway, there was pretty much no doubt Mikkelbus was going to learn to love the mountain and get familiar with the wintry activities of which these Nordic people are so fond. However, how Mikkelbus took on these pursuits would be influenced by something that happened very, very early on in life. When I was 18 months, I got polio. She contracted polio. Mikkelbus was born in 1943. The polio vaccine had not yet been developed. It isn't introduced in Norway until around 1955. It was my both leg and lower stomach and lower back that uh, was hit, and uh, I recovered uh, well a bit. Uh, my right leg and the left leg has been just uh, not usable at all. Getting around as a young girl involves a combination of things. I was in, uh, used um, kind of an orthosis on my left leg. An orthosis on her left leg. This is a brace or other corrective slash supportive device used for disorders affecting the limbs or spine. Well, the doctor 
when I got older, he said, well, you should not be able to walk on your right leg. And I said, well, I didn't know that, so I walked on it. <laughs> Doctor says she probably can't. Mikko Boost is pretty much just like, oop, oh well, I'm doing it. Put a pin in that idea. Just going for things in the face of doubt or concern from others, being stubborn, as you'll hear her call it, and exceeding expectations, that theme is going to come up more than a few times in this story. Like, take this anecdote that illustrates how she got involved in skiing as a child. I have two older sisters, and uh, I got one younger as well. And of course, with four girls, my parents, they could not uh, do anything different with the four of us. So when the other one, my sisters, wants to go skiing, I wanted to do that as well. And usually I say I used to walk 10 meters and fall for the next 100. But uh, I was a bit stubborn, so I kept on. She's going to ski with her sisters, even if that means falling most of the time. So we're in the 1950s now. She's using the brace on her left leg, very little strength in her right leg, although that's certainly not stopping her. Mikulbus gets surgery. After some surgery, well, some years, I got my first pair of crutches when I was about, I think it was 12 or something like that. Crutches. Game changer. I thought, wow, I can walk fast. And after that, I've used it. (laughs) At this point, it's clear this young Norwegian, one, has the need for speed, two, loves her some skiing, and three, is not going to put up with, pardon my French, any shit from anyone or society in general telling her what she can or can't do. When the Paralympics officially begin in 1960, Mikkelbust explains, For me, it was There was just one problem. But in the beginning, it, that was, uh, was table tennis and uh, uh, bow and arrow and sports like that. A Winter Paralympics wouldn't go on to be established for a few years. When the Winter Games did finally get underway, Mikkelboost was ready. This was a calling. But after some years, I, and all the time I used to go skiing in wintertime. That's normal for the Norwegian people. It just kind of happened in a way. Definitely one of my big takeaways from living in Scandinavia has been how ridiculously modest people are all the time. 27 medals just kind of happened. Yeah, okay. Even though she was just winning race after race and was essentially unstoppable, Mikulbus didn't get caught up in the idea of a legacy and setting or breaking records. She was doing what she loved, and she was satisfying this deep desire within her to compete. To fight. To me, I was competing, and well, I won, and I liked it. But I never thought of myself as a champion in a way. Oh, that's our dog. She's playing with a pig, making noises. That dog is Nanya. She's three and a half years old and holds an important place in Mikubu's post-competitive skiing life. But we'll get to that a little bit later. 
I thought it was just interesting and significant to think about the life of a Paralympian, their experiences within the sporting world, and their relationship to their sport as compared to able-bodied athletes. On the individual level, so much of it is really the same. The passion, the dedication required, the time commitment, and sacrifices. Mikulbus illustrated this by taking us through an average day during her athletic peak. When I was training, well, started with breakfast, as everyone hopefully does, and I went out for, for well, between one and hour, one and one and a half hour with training, and then I, um, I had to go for work. Most of the time I used to work from eight o'clock to one or two, she worked and still works as a physical therapist. And then I went out for train for training. And then it was dinner and relax and stuff like that, just as other people. Of course, a lot of athletes have their limitations, and make no mistake, there are those that are unique to Paralympians. As you see, as an, uh, call it a normal. Uh, athletes, they used to train twice, at least twice a day, but uh, using crutches, I have to use my arms and legs for everything I uh, are doing, so I couldn't train more than once a day. What is drastically different for these athletes as compared to their Olympic counterparts is the larger structures and forces at play. Ideas and policies that are grounded in problematic sociocultural perspectives on disability. What does that even mean? Well, consider sponsorships, funding, media attention, the type of dialogue around the Paralympics when there's even a conversation being had at all. These are things that affect the life and retirement of athletes. Look, Ragnild Mikulbus is the best ever in what she did. She dedicated years to achieving the pinnacle of excellence in her sport. She's happy. She's a boss. Yet her legacy, recognition, material gains, it's just not the same if we're looking at Nadia Comaneci, Nancy Kerrigan, Dara Torres. And why is that? I will leave you with that question. This story, this episode right here, is about Ragnold Mikulbus her life. So I will get back to this incredible woman. But yeah, important things to think about. The 2002 Paralympics in Salt Lake would be Mikulbus' last games. The then 58-year-old won five gold in individual cross-country skiing, relay, and biathlon. It couldn't have ended on a better note, but it was not some momentous last hurrah for the skier. I never thought about this is my last compete or anything like that because I said the same after 94, I, I'm going to quit, and I said the same in 98, and now this is the last one, and so, so for me, I, I just kept on. Because I like to, I like to train, I like to compete. Getting into the twilight of her career, Mikulbus had kind of just decided to pay attention to her body and be rational. As long as the competition lifestyle was making sense, she was going to stick with it. Also, her husband Oli, a fellow Norwegian Paralympian, was still competing. He was um, in, in the leader team, so I thought, okay, he's, he's going around the world, why not go with him? 
and keep on competing, as I like to do that. Eventually, it came to the point where it all didn't make as much sense anymore. When Salt Lake came, there was an internal understanding. She was honest with herself. I understood I couldn't keep on. Now, it's been 17 years since her last Paralympic event. The competition days may have stopped for Mikobus, but she still stays incredibly active. I've been skiing the whole wintertime. I'm skiing almost every day, and summertime I use still my wheelchair with the ski poles, and, and I'm out every day, especially because we, my, my husband is blind, so we got a, a guide dog. Yep, Olai Mikobust is blind. Nanya is their guide dog. And we have to, well, walk, uh, walk uh, her around, and I think it's okay. I, I never, for, for me, the competition time is over, and, that, and that's it. For Mikobus, there was never any missing glory days, no longing for something that isn't. For her, it's about being where you are, finding joy in that moment, in that place in this body? I think uh, skiing you can do until you die. Of course, you are, you are a bit slower when you get older. You can't go that fast anymore, but you can enjoy it. And I think that that's now, for me, very important to uh, enjoy skiing. And I'm training. As I say, what, what, if I stop training, what's going to happen? Then I say I will just be sitting there, getting fat and weak, and won't be able to move myself. And I don't want to do that. I want to live and have a good life, and then you have to keep on. What skiing provides her, what it has always provided her, is the ability to experience the world in an unmitigated, joyful way. Mikobus doesn't have too much involvement with the Paralympics nowadays but she does meet the Norwegian athletes every so often. When talking about her impact, she was, of course, quick to point out that she's not that special. I'm sure you're a great inspiration to them whenever they do get to meet you. I don't know. (laughs) And now, what is she most enjoying about life? Everything, in a way. We have just been four and a half weeks around in Europe with uh, uh, our mobile home. Everything has just been nice and now we are back. My husband has started to work and I just do what I usually do, live. The former champion, yes, I said it, Mrs. Mikulbus, if you're listening to this, I know you don't think of yourself as one. The champion has a word of advice for those that have just stepped away from their sport or are getting ready to do so. Don't think of just what you have done but try to find something in front of you that you want to do. I mean, you can't just sit down and, and dream about what, what has been. You have to dream about what you are going to do and keep on living a good life. Now, 75 years old, she has experienced several milestones and the end of a few chapters. No matter the circumstance, Mikobus has maintained her stubbornness, that fire that has always driven her to keep on going, whether she was on the mountain with her sisters as a child or in the final stretch of a race in Salt Lake. 
looking back on everything, her life as a Paralympian, competing and engaging with people from around the world, has led her to a couple of realizations. When you you meet a lot of other people, you see what other people have problem with and stuff like that. I, I can learn to appreciate. I can't say it today. Uh, enjoy my own life. I think that's the most important. And to be stubborn enough to know when I want to do something, I I do it. Mm-hmm. And finally, this isn't a political podcast by any means, but we got to end this app with one of the best moments from this interview. And see how lucky I am living in Norway with all the health care and stuff like that. I don't need to pay for it. Yeah, that, that's great as well. And, uh, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm not living in your country. (laughs) (laughs) Ranghild Mikulbus, a legend. A big thank you to her for coming onto the podcast. And as always, thank you for listening. We hope to see you next time.